This is the Fantasy Football Sportal Podcast, presented by Fantazzle for all your fantasy sports needs. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Sportal Podcast. My name is Justin Berniski, and I'm joined by TJ Finley and Ramon Ramirez. Good evening, gentlemen. Good, good to be back. I think we're all coming off of a three-in-one record, so uh, I think uh, I think we've all proven that we we know what we're talking about to some extent. Yeah, I think it's a. Uh, I'm six and two for the playoffs, but that's not really that. Uh, that interesting because most people are six and two. So uh, we'll see if we can get these games right this weekend. Definitely, um, I think it's def- it's worth noting that Ramon managed to uh, nearly call the score of the Giants Packers game. If only he had gone with the rest of our podcast and picked the Giants. <laughs> yeah, that one that one didn't work out. That was a, a bizarre game to watch because I think a lot of us felt. Uh, that the Giants kind of had what it took to, to keep it close and to, to play the Packers tough and uh, a hot team playing a cold team with equal talent. But uh, I honestly thought I just kept looking at that 51 record and I just didn't see any way for the Packers not to not to just get on a roll. My biggest question, and, and this is this is a, really a question I just have as a fan: uh, Where has like how have the Giants developed a secondary? Where where, where is this defensive? Fortitude coming from all of a sudden to, to limit Rodgers and the Vaughn Packers with a, a healthy Greg Jennings. And I know they're a little bit out of sync. I know Rodgers had a couple of bad plays where he just flat out missed Michael Finley on that on that third down in the red zone when they were down by seven. I know that he, he missed Greg Jennings early in the game, but beyond that, I just I couldn't believe the secondary play for the Giants. It was pretty interesting to watch. I mean, it was one of those the secondary has never been our it has not been our best unit all year. And literally the defensive line got some pressure enough to make Aaron Rodgers is a bit uncomfortable, but it wasn't a dominant performance like we've seen from that Giants defensive line. And literally the secondary carried that team on defense. It was pretty incredible to watch. I, I There was one play where Greg Jennings was wide open, and uh, uh, Prince of Mark Morrow, the, the rookie, lets Greg Jennings get about 20 yards behind him. And luckily Aaron Rodgers gets sacked and fumbles, but it's just plays like that that kind of went the Giants' way all game. But, uh, yeah, I was just as surprised as you to see how the secondary played out there. Definitely. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, it's a little bit of a pass rush. It's a little bit of a confidence. And, I mean, it seems like every year there's always that one, you know, team that gets the bye week that manages to completely fall apart at home for some reason. Um, I definitely remember the year after the Giants won the Super Bowl, they went and won the division, you know, went 13-3 and and then got blown out by the Eagles. Uh, and, and so it's not like this is a – Uncommon thing, although when you look at the AFC, you had, I mean, well, and San Francisco, all the other home teams won, and so it was very interesting that the Packers were the one team. And, it, I, I mean, to some extent, I think it was also the Packers just peaked a little too early. Uh, and, you know, it's who gets hot at the right at the end of the season for the playoffs, and right now it's definitely looking like the Giants. Um, but I know we were going to start with the AFC, so let's go ahead. and uh, They went chalk on that side. Uh, you know, New England, Baltimore. TJ, what do you? Uh, what's sort of jumping out at you about this game? This one's gonna be. Uh, this game is crazy to me. The, the Patriots got their first playoff win last week. They've had since losing in 07 to the Giants in the Super Bowl. So the Patriots have really had some good teams, and they've had put up good regular season records, like you've been saying. But they've really kind of fallen flat in the playoffs. So it was really good for them to get a pretty bad Broncos team that everybody thought was, you know, playing longer than they should have been playing. And they and then they really beat the crap out of the Broncos. Tom Brady threw six touchdowns. Meanwhile, the Ravens got the win over the Texans, but it wasn't pretty. They jumped out to a 17-3 lead based on two Houston turnovers, and then the offense kind of shut down for the day, and the defense had to kind of win the game. 
Uh, Joe Flacco has been kind of taking some heat in the press from, uh, you know, started by Ed Reed's comments. And there's been a lot of talk about him in the press. And I don't know if, if Flacco is going to be the key to this game. Two years ago, the Ravens went into Foxborough in a playoff game and beat New England pretty handily. Joe Flacco threw for 34 yards in that game. This is going to be one of those games where the defense is going to go out there, set the tone early, and go win the game despite Joe Flacco. And I think the the key for the Ravens to do in this game is they have to keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands by running the ball with Ray Rice, and they have to keep the ball out of Joe Flacco's hands by running the ball with Ray Rice. You don't want this to be a quarterback matchup because Flacco can't stand up to what Tom Brady's going to be able to do. And so I see this one as a low-scoring defensive battle on the Ravens' side, and I don't think that the Patriots can stop the Ravens' run game, so if the Ravens have to kind of establish their tone of the game. Interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's a weird game because the blueprint for this game feels a lot like last week's insta-classic San Francisco-New Orleans game, um, where, yeah, you, you, you take the uh, precision pocket passer with a million weapons and otherworldly tight ends, and you just rough them up, and you just hit them over the middle, and you just send all sorts of blitzes at them. Um, and and next thing you know, you know Tom Brady will probably throw for 60, 60 uh, he'll probably throw 60 balls in this game, but it's a question of, of, of how the turnovers fall. And I, I think that's I think that's it. You know, it's just the oldest cliche in the book: whoever wins the turnover battle, battle is going to win the game. Um, boy, again, similarly, the Patriots have that. They have an advantage at quarterback. They have an advantage at wide receiver, and that's it. Everything else you have to you have to give the Ravens. So I just don't. It, it feels like everything is set up for Tom Brady to win these last two games. Right, uh, wins on Sunday. He becomes he, he ties Joe Montana for the most postseason wins in history. Wins the Super Bowl. He passes them. Uh, chance to avenge the Ravens. Chance to avenge the Giants. Uh, it just it, everything everything feels there for Tom Brady. So you kind of have to think that, that that's that's the key to this game. But the Ravens defensively scare you, and and the playoffs. We already know what the narrative is of this of this playoff, and that's that you know offense is the fantasy football uh, drives the fantasy football ratings, but defense, you know. Uh, wins wins championships and and bust brackets. Yeah, I mean, TJ, listening to what you're saying, I definitely can see that. But I think uh, the other thing is, I think Flacco, he's got a big arm. He can put it up top for Torrey Smith a couple times, and that that New England secondary has just been atrocious all year. And so I think there's definitely, uh, you know, they'll take a couple shots down the field. Um, I don't think Anquan yeah. Bolden plays a huge role here, but I think you know Smith going deep could definitely have a couple. Uh, game-changing catches, uh, along with Ray Rice, you know, running the ball effectively. Uh, and so I think, you know, I definitely hear what you're saying. All that said, I just don't think this Baltimore defense is as good as we, we want it to be. Uh, they're, I mean, they're just so old. And, I mean, you know, it's a long season, and I just don't see them. Uh, they've been too inconsistent all year, and I just don't see them keeping up with those tight ends. Uh, I just, you know... It, it only takes a couple mistakes, and Brady's able to, especially the way he's playing right now, uh, hitting those tight ends. Uh, it, it just kind of, it, you know, and when you've got those tight ends, they've got to d- be doubled, which you know opens up um, a little, you know, little bits in here, here and there for those receivers, which is just enough for them to kind of put up big numbers. I, you know, I don't think uh, Brady's going to make the kind of mistakes, mistakes that we saw T.J. Yates make, and so I think they put up enough points, and so I uh, to win this one. So I'm ultimately, I mean, while I like what you're saying, T.J., I think that's definitely the would be the way that they would win. And I'm also a little concerned because it's it's feeling a little bit like you know everyone's focusing on New England winning, 
And that always seems to be a, you know, when it becomes overly apparent, uh, particularly when, you know, everyone's hating on Baltimore for having a bad game. It's, you know, a lot of times you see that sort of let down from the team that you expect to win. Uh, I think somewhat similar to what we saw with uh, uh, New Orleans last week where they were coming in hot and we were like, uh, I kind of felt like there wasn't any way they were going to lose, but they they did. And so I'm a little hesitant, but I, you know, I'm, I'm got to pick uh, new England. I think they end up putting up 35 points and I don't think, uh, I, you know, Baltimore might get, you know, 27, but I don't think they get enough to win it. For, so for our gamblers out there, the line on this game is the Pats are getting 6.5 points. And I think this is a steal if you go pick the Ravens for two reasons. One, the Ravens are 7-0 and this year against teams that made the playoffs. So, And all the losses, if you go back and look at their losses, are against teams that everybody expected them to win against. This is not one of those games. And two, the Patriots haven't beaten anybody this year with a winning record. No one, including the playoff game. They haven't beat a team with a, with a, with a, with a winning record yet. And so I think this Patriots team... It's really overrated, and I think it's because of what Ramon was saying. They only have, they only beat you in two positions. They only beat you with a tight end and wide receivers and at quarterback. I think this defense is all time bad, and sometimes it's overlooked because Tom Brady's just going to put up so many points. And that offensive line itself isn't very good. They can't establish a run, and they can't protect that. I don't think they're going to be able to protect Tom Brady very well. So even if Baltimore doesn't win this game, I think it's close, and I think if you're a gambler, you take the, you take Baltimore with the 6.5 points. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like we like I said earlier, you know, the, the blueprint for this game was laid out in that Saints 49ers game. Uh, the the difference are the, the factors, right? The Patriots have two elite otherworldly tight ends. The Patriots are at home. Tom Brady is, uh, you know, he and Breeze are in the same class, but Brady's maybe a little bit more decorated. Um, and I, I guess the big thing about the Baltimore Ravens is that yeah, the Patriots are 31st against the pass, but the key to that offense is the deep play threat of Torrey Smith. And you saw Wade Phillips, the Houston Texans defensive coordinator, focus his, his best cover, cover cornerback. He took Jonathan Joseph off of Anquan Bolden, put him on Torrey Smith just to sort of stop that deep play ability. You take that away, the Ravens become pretty one-dimensional. You know, we talk about controlling the clock and we talk about the defense and, and I, I certainly think this is, the line has actually moved up to seven points. I, I absolutely see it being a closer uh, a closer game than that. There's just too much pride on this Ravens team, too much confidence on this Ravens team. These are guys that have, you know, done this before uh, in Foxborough. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, you have to go with the Patriots by three. All right. TJ, are you going to – so you you said definitely Ravens with this – if you get getting the spread, but straight up, where are you, where are you landing on this game? This was close. I think I'll take the Ravens, but it, it, it pays me to pick Joe Flacco to win any game. Uh, I'm not a big fan of him, but I just I don't I haven't trusted that New England team all year, and I think that the Ravens will get it done. Defense wins championships, so they say. So we'll see if the adage is true. Fair enough. Yeah. Hey, one last uh, sort of in defense of Joe Flacco. You know, only quarterback in the league with four straight playoff appearances. He's managed uh, a ton of critical games, and he's mismanaged a ton of very important pivotal games for his team in the playoffs. But that seems to come against an elite defense every year. And and finally, you know, if you're Flacco, you know, the clouds open up and, and the sky turns blue and you get to face the 31st-ranked passing uh, secondary in the league. You know, I I really felt that the, the Texans really abused and 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 just just did whatever they wanted to with, with Joe Flacco last weekend. But again, because of that turnover battle, it ultimately didn't matter. 
Um, so you have to give the Ravens uh, a pretty good shot, and because of the leadership on that defense, I'm, 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 I'm going to give them 21 points with Foxborough. I'm going to give the Patriots 24. All right. Moving on to the NFC, uh, I know this is definitely a big game for uh, you know myself and TJ, although we had nothing to do with the team thus far, um, other than cheering. <laughs> I mean, I haven't even bought a ticket, so... Um, <laughs> You know, all my cheering has been the uh, has been the yelling at my television in my house, a manner where my neighbors are wondering what the hell's going on. But so going in this game, Ramon, uh, again, you know, what is you know, are you going to go pick against the Giants again, or are you feeling like finally jumping on this bandwagon? Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, for the record, I, I had the Giants over the Falcons pretty early on, so I, I'm definitely in their corner. Um, in terms of believing in, in their ability to, to, to make a run, I just again, uh, I just didn't see. I still don't. Know, I, I just can't believe that they, they got past a, a really tough, really united Green Bay team. But that's not if you know there. Uh, the key uh, to this Sunday is pretty simple, and that's going to be Alex Smith against that pass rush. Um, you know, he he's had a terrible career for all intents and purposes, and I know he has a 14-3 record this year. Um, but a lot of that is his managing game, playing mistake-free balls. You're going to see Alex Smith throw a lot of passes into the stand when the Niners get into the red zone. Uh, I think he used his 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 good game, his good stuff, throwing the book at the Saints. Um, no one expected Alex Smith and the Saints to be able to put up a score in the 30s uh, and outduel uh, a true breeze uh, team like that. Um, I just don't think there's anything left in the tank emotionally. I think they threw out all the good plays. They're a banged-up team. Uh, the Giants are healthier. Giants are playing better football. Giants have a better running game. Giants have a better defense. Giants have better receivers right now than the Saints did. I just, I just don't see a key to victory. And then, you know, history, strangely enough, history has, has, has been uh, a pretty huge factor. You know, that uh, the Giants are undefeated in NFC title games. The Giants have beaten San Francisco on the road in an NFC title game. I think that was the 1990-91 season. Um, I, I just don't see enough offense from the 49ers. I know the 49ers took down the Giants earlier in the Meadowlands, uh, but this Sunday, I just don't know where the points are going to come from for the Giants. Excuse me, for the 49ers. The 49ers, that la- that game against the Giants was in San Fran. So, yep. just to clarify. TJ, what are you, how are you feeling? All right, so uh, this is interesting. I, uh, I'm more confident about this game than I was about Green Bay. I did pick the Giants to win, but I assumed it would be close. What worries me is that the Giants have utterly dominated two playoff football games. They, they shut out the they shut out the Falcons. The Falcons got two points, but they got it from a safety, of course. They shut out the Falcons, and they really go into Green Bay and beat the hell out of the Packers and force a lot of turnovers. And so you're sitting in a situation where both the Niners and the Giants both forced a bunch of turnovers in their games, and that's how they won. The difference is that the Niners still had to go in the last second drive and kind of build character and go get a close playoff win. And uh, the Giants haven't been tested yet for all intents and purposes. They haven't been tested in a late-game situation. This game earlier in the year actually came down to the last drive, and uh, Eli makes the drive. They go down, and Marlon Manningham drops two touchdown passes on that last drive to win that game. And uh, so so the Giants know they can go to San Fran and play with San Fran. Uh, the Giants held Frank Gore, I think, to 50 or 60 yards in that first matchup, and I think that's the big key. If they can stop Frank Gore from getting the run going, then they'll have to depend more on Alex Smith. And like Ramon said, Alex Smith is not going to be the guy that goes and beats you, uh, last week excluded. So I, I think the, 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 the Giants have a great chance to go win this game. 
My problem is, are they going to be so overconfident after getting a huge win that they're going to have a letdown? And I think if you're going to see a letdown, you'll see the Giants come out a bit sluggish, which is something they haven't done yet in this playoffs. That's not true. They came out a bit sluggish against the Falcons, but the defense came out firing on all cylinders. If the Giants can come out hot, I don't think that San Fran can keep pace. I think what San Fran has to do is drag the Giants into an ugly game where the first quarter or the first half doesn't have very many points in it. That that means that San Fran's playing the way they want to play. The Giants can come out. Eli's got a stomach bug going on, so we'll see how that affects the game. But if the, if, if the Giants can come out, throw a couple passes, and establish a run, I think this one's over by the third quarter. Uh, and so we'll see. That Green Bay defense is very good, but they're not as good as they looked last week. They gave up a lot of points last week, but there's, there's not as good as forcing that many turnovers. If the Giants start turning the ball over, they'll lose badly. But the Giants can have some ball security and run their offense. I think the Giants will be able to outlast the Niners. So we'll see how it goes. I'm definitely not worried about the a comeback in any form or if the Giants are in that kind of situation. I mean, Eli set the right all-time record for a single season, uh, fourth quarter touchdowns this year. I mean, they had several, you know, uh, comeback games, several other games where he, you know, put them really close to coming back. So I'm not too worried about, you know, late game situation. I feel like, uh, I'd give the edge to the giants. The other thing is, I mean, people I've talked to have mentioned Frank Gore. Um, you know, I think if you had to choose, uh, Ahmad Bradshaw, you know, with his, you know, somewhat his foot, issues and Brandon Jacobs or Frank Gore. Uh, I think I'd probably want Frank Gore in most cases. Uh, you guys can disagree, but the one thing though is every time the Giants have had trouble with the running back, I feel like it's more been those fast running back guys who make kind of one, like can uh, make the Giants pay for over pursuing for the defensive line being over aggressive. Um, I mean, we saw Reggie Bush put up a hundred yards on them Um you know, for the first time in his career, right? Um, (laughs) And, you know, it's, he can make the quick move. Whereas we saw Michael Turner just never get going in that Atlanta game. Uh, Ryan Grant never got off. Uh, Starks had a a little bit of a burst last week, but, um, you know, it was like one run. And so I just don't think Frank Gore is the kind of back that's going to make the Giants pay. I think their defensive line is going to be able to, you know, going to be able to rush the passer, but then also compensate and stop the run at the same time. Uh, so I think that's where the Giants, the key is. Uh, obviously, you know, San Francisco doesn't have as many options. And if, you know, if there's not double coverage on Vernon Davis on every play, then I don't know what they're doing. Um, I mean, there should be a linebacker in his face at the line of scrimmage when he's getting off and then a safety bracketing him over the top. Because, I mean, really Davis is the only guy uh, that's going to get this passing game going. Um, and so I think as long as they, you know, they play that smart. And I think, I mean, the defense has been great so far in this postseason. And I just don't see any way... Um, other than the, you know, the letdown, they, I mean, they lost, you look at this year, they lost to Washington twice. They lost to Seattle, uh, teams that they should have, you know, destroyed. They find ways to lose to. And so it's, if the giants lose, they're going to beat themselves as opposed to San Francisco really running away with this one. And I think you said something really important there. Well, the difference between the Saints defense and the Giants defense is that Greg Williams was blitzing so much that he didn't have another body to put over top on Vernon Davis. So you have Vernon Davis get 180 yards receiving and, you know, and, and just kind of goes nuts because there's nobody else to stand back there because they're blitzing so much. The Giants, meanwhile, the defensive line is so good, the Giants usually send three or four and sit back in coverage. So we'll, the Giants will have an extra guy over the top of Vernon Davis. So I don't think you can expect 
as big as a game from him as he got last week. You know, he was pretty much one-on-one coverage all game. And also, they don't – I mean, I think Justin hit nail on the head. They don't have another guy that can stretch the field if it gets turns into a shootout. Michael Crabtree had a touchdown last week, but he had some big drops, and he's really – He's really not gotten off the snide on his career. I know he dealt with some injuries earlier in his career, but he's really not a guy that scares you. You can put him one-on-one. You can put him one-on-one against Webster or put him one-on-one against one of those safeties even if you have to. And you can know that he won't beat you deep even if he beats you for a first down. And I really do think you have to have all the pass coverage on Vernon Davis. I think the Giants would do that. No one is afraid of the San Francisco 49ers, and that's been the narrative on them all year. No one is afraid of their offense. No one is afraid of Alex Smith because we've seen Alex Smith for five years. I can't remember the last time we've seen a quarterback have this kind of 180 for his first career. And, and even if he does nothing going forward, the fact that he was, you know, six NFL seasons as a bust, missed an entire season, lost his job to guys named Sean Hill and J.T.O. Sullivan, <laughs> and now he's in the NFC Championship. It's, just, it, it's really – I've never seen anything like it. And that's – I think if I'm a Giants fan, that's what I'm afraid of it is – you, know, you you play the Niners, you never feel like you're going to lose, you never feel like there's enough firepower for them to push you away, and it doesn't matter because they win by four or five points. Um, the Saints have uh, an absolutely uh, terrifying offense. For my money, the best offense in the league uh, during the 2011 season, and the 49ers were ever just out. You know, all those cliches, all those Rod Marinelli cliches about physicality and and, and trenches and hitting them in the mouth and all that all that junk. I mean, that's true, and that's been that's that's been uh, a key to success for 80 plus years in the league. So, uh, yeah, you, you have to be you have to be afraid of what the 49ers have done. Um, but again, the iconic moment for the 49ers last week and and this week it's it's really going to be about the New York Football Giants and how hot they're playing. All right, um, I think it's time for the the big questions. I know. Uh... We're going to kind of end it on this with uh, any big questions you have heading in this weekend, things you're going to be kind of watching uh, or things you're wondering about this, these games. I'm going to be watching uh, Coach Harbaugh. First of all, I think he's hands down the coach of the year. I mean, he's literally turned that 49ers team that didn't even make the playoffs in a, last year in a division where literally nobody won the playoff spot. I think the final record was 7-9 and nine for, the, for that playoff Seattle team. He's turned this team around with no huge – off-season signings and no huge off-season draft picks, and he's literally turned them into a 13-3 and team. I think that's one of the best coaching jobs he's ever seen. And he goes and wins that game last week. First of all, on the first Alex Smith four-quarter touchdown, he calls a little, a little, uh, you know, end-around play with Alex Smith, looking like he was from Utah. And then, you know, he calls plays to bring him down into the end zone and score the touchdown. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he coaches this game. Everything we've said about this matchup rings true, and the Giants should win. But you have, and Coughlin's a great coach, and Perifuel, the Giants defensive coordinator, has been doing a really good job, although I've been one of those people calling for his job all year, so he's really shown me with something. But Harbaugh is a good coach, and he's really been doing a great job this whole season. So you got to look for something that will surprise you. Maybe they'll run a play action, 80-yard bomb on the first play of the game or something. But uh, Harbaugh understands what we see in the matchup, and he'll try to find a way to keep him around. So I'll be looking at that. And I'll, I'll be looking at, at who's, who's going to step up and make a play um, offensively for either of these teams. There's going to be an upswing here that we're not talking about. Uh, one of those sort of performances that, that, that when, when you gridlock the matchups and when you have four teams playing as well as, as we have this weekend, there's going to be a guy that breaks through because people forget to cover him. For me, that's going to be Deion Branch. Uh, you know, Super Bowl of the last, or I'm sorry, MVP of the last Patriots Super Bowl, gone from the team for five years, 
And as Ed Reed said today on ESPN, you know, how do you stop the pitch? You have to cover every receiver and every play. Obviously, that's an impossible task. And I think with the, with the emphasis on roughing up Wes Walker, with the emphasis on the tight end, I think Deion Branch makes a, a couple of big plays, uh, has, has a late touchdown, and, and really carries the Patriots into the Super Bowl. Yeah, I guess the thing for me, I'm I'm wondering how can you stop those tight ends for New England? What is, you know, Baltimore's definitely is a strong defense. What can they do? And so I'm curious to see, uh, you know, definitely, you know, I, I'm, you know, obviously I'm cheering for the Giants to win, but it would be nice to kind of get even if uh, Baltimore does lose, which obviously I'm predicting. I want to kind of get a blueprint for how do you stop those tight ends? Because if you can figure out, a, you know, if they can kind of get a, a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a clue. Um, I mean, I guess maybe go back to the Giants win in New England. Maybe that it'll be, you know, that's a game that uh, the Giants beat, you know, went into New England, beat the Patriots. Definitely was not a game that you expected the Giants to uh, to take, especially considering at the time Brady had all, you know, hadn't lost at home in, you know, like eight and a half years or something. And um, not, not exactly, but uh, I mean, they managed to cl- shut down the tight ends for the most part. Uh, and so, I mean, and maybe you can't shut them down. Maybe it's just limiting them. Um, or maybe you just kind of say, you know what, tight ends are going to get theirs. We need to just focus on stop, stopping everyone else. Uh, so I'm going to be curious to see what Baltimore does. Uh, how do they play? What do they do? Uh, you know, do you go zone? Do you man up? How do you cover them to stop them from, uh, you know, completely just just ripping you apart? I've been waiting all season for Chad Ochocinco to get into the end zone and to do a crazy celebration that cost them some yards and end up costing them a game. So I'll be looking for Chad Ochocinco to do something stupid. That'll be awesome. Fair enough. Yeah, I think I think Chad, I think Chad Ochocinco is actually too smart to do something stupid. You know, we saw T.O., uh, 38 year old uh, receiver, Chad's running mate last year, uh, really a fantastic NFL player. So to say, uh, you know, can't can't get a job on a practice squad this year. I, I think. Chad Ochocinco knows he's at the end of his rope. Any kind of game-costing decision by him, and he, he's he's done as a Patriot. Um, so I, I, I think I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say he's smart enough to not do anything stupid. One thing I'm looking at, just as, as a romantic uh, NFL fan and diehard Dallas Cowboy supporter, is trying to figure out who to root for. You know, you have the uh, bitter division rival, and you have the team that you've hated your entire life, and that. All the all the weird contrarian kids growing up decided to buy Steve Young uh, left-handed footballs and red starter jackets, and uh, and now now they're happy. Now they're all all over social media. Fifteen years later, um, fifteen years going into hiding. So I'm I'm going to spend Sunday figuring out who to root for, uh, and, and also feeling like it, 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 if nothing else, it's the team that we beat in overtime with a punctured lung versus the team that we could have put away. Had Tony Romo not just overthrow Miles Austin, so it's going to be a tough Sunday to get over a lot of a lot of what could have been in the air for uh, for a lot of fans. But I think I think that's sort of the point of Championship Sunday is you find a connection to one of the teams, you find a narrative, and you find a way to make yourself feel relevant on on what's what's otherwise a pretty depressing day because the last real Sunday of football, you know, next week we have the Pro Bowl, we're all at Sears with our wives during the Pro Bowl, and the week after that is the Super Bowl. And, you know, it, it's a big sort of ridiculous media party. You have to watch commercials. The emphasis is on, is on halftime wardrobe malfunctions. Uh, and, and the game is completely secondary. So I'm just looking forward to the last meaningful uh, Sunday until September. That's yeah. depressing. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it's, I mean, this, this year more so than any other year, we just have not had that elite team that sort of stepped up and said, you know what, we are the best team. They're, I mean, you look at so many of the great offenses had terrible defenses. Uh, the teams that have had good defenses haven't had the great offenses. And so what is the most complete team? Uh, you know, and it's hard to say, you know, the Giants just because they were 9-7 and seven and, you know, they've got the shot to become the first 9-7 and seven team to win a Super Bowl, which is somewhat remarkable. So... I'm curious to see kind of, you know, who who wins it and how, you know, how can they really, how can you really compare anyone who wins the Super Bowl this year to any of the other years? I just don't feel like there is that truly elite team. And while that whoever wins it all this year is going to walk away with a ring, you know, you take that team and would they match up against anyone in history? I don't think so. I think it might end up being, while it's one of the most entertaining seasons, it might end up being one of the most disappointing Super Bowl champions in a sense because of that. Yeah, not, not, that's an interesting point. Maybe not necessarily. If, if Brady wins, we can crown Brady. I, I think uh, this season is set up for Brady to sort of establish himself as the best quarterback of all time. Uh, we saw his nemesis succumb to injury this year, so the Peyton versus Brady argument is essentially over. Uh, and if he can get the four rings, time Montana pass him for playoff win. You know, the reason why we always got to put Montana number one is because of what he's done in the postseason. And if some guy supersedes him, then that's it. He's number one. Uh, so you take Brady's numbers plus Brady's playoff performances and, and the opportunity there for, for Brady to, to sort of cement himself as, as the greatest quarterback of all time. And so there's at least that, that opportunity. Interesting, interesting point, too, about the weak playoff field and, and the lack of an elite team. I think this is probably the weakest field since the 2005-2006 uh, team that saw the six-seed Pittsburgh Steelers get hot and win at the end. I feel like that's the blueprint for the, for the New York Giants. Really solid offense, really elite defense, really united team, playing for a veteran coach, playing on the road, uh, relatively soft matches. You know, that, that Pittsburgh team had to go through Carson Palmer and the Bengals. They had to go through Peyton Manning and the Colts. And then they had to go through a really weak Jake Plummer-Denver team in the AFC Championship. And then, of course, you know, the Mike Holmgren uh, controversial uh, controversial officiated Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think that's a doppelganger for the 2011-2012 season, but it doesn't matter. Uh, it's still football, and I, I really honestly can't wait. Well, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. We'll have you on definitely again before the Super Bowl, uh, and uh, we'll have to figure out, you know, maybe we'll talk some of the uh, the crazy odds that I know there are out there you can bet on and uh, really get a bite our teeth into, uh, you know, what are you taking on the coin coin toss, heads or tails, so we got a great weekend coming up, so uh, enjoy. Thank you for listening to the FantasyFootballSportal.com podcast. For more content, check out FantasyFootballSportal.com or Fantazzle.com for all your fantasy sports needs.